Hey, Sam, how you doing? Hey, Tim. I'm doing great. Hey, tell me a little bit about what you're drinking today. I'm drinking Covert Coffee. CovertCoffee.com. This is the best coffee in the world. Roasted by Brian Fowler in Tennessee and shipped anywhere in the world. Uh, it's delicious. He sources his beans with care and love, roasts them, and then delivers them to you anywhere you want. Fresh and delicious. So if you want some great coffee, go to covertcoffee.com and let them know that we sent you and maybe there'll be a little discount, but maybe not. Hey everyone, welcome to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, a podcast where Tim Gillespie and Sam Lenore invite you into a conversation with them and many of their friends where they explore life, faith, modern culture, and friendship. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Sam and Tim, Tim and Sam. Welcome yes. back, everybody. I am here, Man, yes. You were you were itching. Eager, just ready to go, ready to no, go. No, because this is good. We're in the middle of a conversation with Alex Bryan, and we're going to continue this a little bit. Alex, thanks for being here with us once again. Good to be with you. Awesome. I got some questions. I got some I got some questions and you got some explaining to do. Um, so <laughs> so I want to talk about a particular episode and this may get a little, you know, be Tim, as you, be as forthright as you choose. Yes, Sam. Just before just before you go on, I just want to you know, in case someone's jumping into this episode without knowing, they just opened up pod, their podcast app and had no idea this amazing podcast existed and they jumped into this episode. I don't know there's, there's no a lot context. of people who don't don't know oh, all about the time. us. I do it no, all the time. Well, ever. you're right. You're right. Yes, I mean, so right. many people know. We're a sensation, <laughs> a worldwide sensation. Um, we're doing a series on the One Project, a movement that Alex Bryan, Chief Mission Officer for Adventist Health, now um, led and has led for the last ten years with Jafa Oliveira and, and a group of brothers uh, and sisters that we're part of. Um, and we've been talking. This is we're in a series. Where we've been talking about. A history, some some thought behind it, some of the things that we believe. Um, we're discussing some of the effects, and the uh, the things, uh, some of the processing, some of the, what we live through. Um, so yeah, we're back to that. Thank you. Now, Tim, to your to your very important question. I just care for our dear listeners. I, you're looking at me like, what are you doing? No, you do. I you I appreciate that. Thank you, Sam. Because uh, I mean, I don't need all the preliminaries. I just wanted to get into the meat of the content. But you know. You know, you, I, that's what I appreciate about you. You have no time for superfluous stuff. That's I right. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, so, so there's a particular episode in our history. Um, we talked a little bit with JFIT about the fact that we were investigated <clears throat> by some, by by you know, the official church, if you will, um, with their investigative arm, whatever. If that's what they call it, I don't know what they call it, but. Um, but but out of that came some interesting conversations that you had with some pretty um, higher ups, as they say, um, at least within the hierarchy of the organization. Um, I'd like you to reflect on those. We don't need to necessarily mention names unless you wanna, because um, that's fun. But um, but you don't have to. But I'm these are these are people we know, people that that you know are 
are very heavy duty in the church. I would like you to kind of make, you know, explain those conversations a little bit, kind of your feelings about them, and you don't have to give away specific content. I'm just interested. I think people should know that there's we there's conversations that happen in the church because of the one project that that were pretty significant. I mean, you weren't sitting down with lightweight. So, boy, that's a worthless way to ask those questions. Yeah, chart you know what that I'm sentence out, see what happened there. <laughs> I'm trying to be obtuse. If you want me to just say the thing, I can say the thing. But go ahead, Alex. So, so we talked in a previous podcast about fear and about how the church, because this is human nature, we are afraid of change. We're afraid of things that are dynamic that will destabilize the status quo. And we named that the one project by its very nature, because it's, it was seeking to follow Jesus, that, that that activity disrupts what is. Right. And this makes the church afraid. A part of that expression of fear became a desire on the part of the church to do some more formal investigations. On three occasions, Japhet de Oliveira and myself participated in private conversation that we willingly, you know, no one compelled us, but we willingly accepted the, the, the invitation to have some private investigations and que pointed questions of one project leadership. Okay. And actually you two were a part, or I believe of one of those that happened, I think in yes. the Rocky mountain States, no, in Southern California, no, Southern actually. California. Yeah. yeah. The nature of these were, uh, loads of questions. Some I would put them in the category of QAnon and conspiracy theory questions of, <laughs> you know, are you, are you drinking the blood of the children of the church kinds of questions? And I'm being funny, but I'm actually not even trying to yeah. be funny. It was, no. you know, are you part of a Jesuit conspiracy? Are you a part no. of, you know, by the way, years later, when nothing materializes based on all these, it's kind of amusing to look back at that and go, hmm, whatever happened to that? Um, you know, by the way, why I would guess, you ask someone, why would you ask guess, someone if you're part of a Jesuit conspiracy? Yeah, yeah I guess, I, I guess Ronald Reagan wasn't the president that was going to bring about the end of time, which I, which I was told back in 1980, you know? So no. So some of the questions were of that nature, you know, kind of the more nefarious, bizarre, convoluted, you know, complex conspiracy theories. Is this what you guys are up to? Um, and then there were questions where the 28 fundamental beliefs book would be pulled out and there would be sort of theological um, questioning about point by point. Uh, th through that, in which our responses were, um, look, we're not trying to blow this whole thing up. Now, in retrospect, um, I question the premise of the question, which mm -hmm. is a doctrinal list should never be the standard of an Adventist faith. Right. The Bible mm -hmm. is our rule of faith. That has always been, in fact, we feared the creation of creeds principally because they would be used to sit with a group of people like the one Preach. project and interrogate them. Preach. So, so mm. I wish that, you know, we were, I think we were quite subservient. We, we were trying to be very responsive and respectful. I and I think we were, yeah. but in retrospect, come on, you know, that, that, that was not helpful. So, so 
these series of questions came around to you know is it your is it your desire to destroy the church is it your is it your desire to destroy our theology is it your desire in, in so many words mm-hmm. uh, were these questions now tim you're referencing i think the last of these interactions yeah was was probably the most sophisticated in terms of the investigation because when Jafet and i walked in i recognized that they had a copy of my dissertation <laughs> Wow. And a a a extremely well known public figure in the church had, which the only other person that's read my dissertation is my mother. Like well, I was just thrilled. I was actually thrilled. Are you sure read she read it? Did, are think, you sure she no, read it, or did she take no, a few notes she, and give you the highlights? Yeah, I think yeah. I I, I think she was yeah. Th- that's probably a good point. But um, <laughs> where literally line by line. Every phrase, every footnote, uh, uh, where there where where there was critique about you know, well, you quoted this person, and you know this person at one point in their life did X, Y, or Z, and we don't believe that. So so it was <laughs> wow. like, yeah. So so there was kind of this, um, and then they would be, and and then there was like these out of context quotes that we pulled from some random speaker that had spoken at a one. I mean, how many? people have spoken for one pro- there's literally hundreds of sermons probably thousands of of uh incidents of communication over a decade in the one project you know and and they, they would and there was fi- a fishing expedition basically to go well this proves you know that such and such is not right and then there were questions asked like we just need to know this here's the core question do you believe in the adventist jesus or do you believe in in just a, a, a random jesus so I wasn't aware that there was an Adventist Jesus. And and I want your listeners to understand I'm not being flip or angry or with my commentary here. It was really concerning to me because my understanding was, for example, growing up as an Adventist kid with loads of Adventist education, I was taught things like we practice open communion in the mm-hmm. Adventist church, which is a rich theological statement that says at the communion table, which is probably the, you know, in the Adventist tradition, that's probably the most sacred of anything we do, the communion table. So this is like the pinnacle. We don't have sacraments, but that's the closest thing is that communion oh. moment. The minister, the ordained Adventist minister would stand up. I remember this as a child and say, we practice open communion, which open means... Table. We don't have a, a private Jesus, a private Adventist Jesus, but Jesus is for all and that our fellowship is open. So, so, the, so the questioning was just, again, I'm thinking about it in retrospect, is I actually am more concerned about it now in re- looking back than I was at the time, which is a set of questions that are based on a doctrinal creed, not scripture, an understanding of Jesus that is kind of our private tribal Jesus and not the universal King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega figure of of Revelation, a fishing expedition about certain phrases here and there, and and honestly saying to us, now we don't believe this, but we got to ask you these QAnon questions because they're out there. Uh, Just in retrospect, just really disturbing stuff, honestly. And, and several kind of high-profile figures in the church are the ones that are asking these questions hmm. and participating. 
So I, um, yeah. And it's all born of fear again, you know? Right. Yeah. And so I have a pastoral spirit towards these folks. I know what it's like to be afraid. Sometimes we do things when we're afraid that maybe we'll look back on and go, that wasn't the best. And, you know, so I don't, Hey, I love these guys. And they were guys, by the way, they're not gals. Um, I love, <laughs> I no, don't think anyone's love, surprised at that. No, I love, I love these brothers, you know, in the balance of their careers, they've done loads of good. They're good people. You know, mm. I've, I've done a lot of things in my past and you know, there's a lot of things that I wish I hadn't done. And I'm a, I'm a sinner. I got more planks than their specs. And I'm sure, honestly, I think they look back at that now and they probably think we probably shouldn't have done that. So mm. that's my spirit. I mean, honestly, they shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake, not their finest mm. hour, but I've had my, not my finest hour too. So bless, bless them, man. They're, they're good people. It just wasn't, it just wasn't their best move. <laughs> mm. Mm. Nah, you're gracious. You I are gracious. gracious. I think some of that graciousness though, comes from the, um, I mean, we've all had to deal with criticism in our ministry, any minister does, but the, the criticism that has come through because of the one project and because of some of our stances on certain things. And I, it, it's hard to say our stances, right? We've never been a cohesive whole necessarily. I think within the one project, there's always been lots of differing opinions. Um, but, but the general lean is gonna be towards Jesus and towards inclusiveness. Um, but I think that I think that the maturity that's gained through that kind of criticism, um, I I don't know what to say. I don't know if I'm asking a question here. I just think that I'm impressed with the way that you you know rolled out of that. I didn't go to that meeting. I didn't go to that meeting because I didn't think I could have that kind of graciousness. Honestly, what what was the outcome, Alex, of the of well of the last meeting you had with the leaders that you're, that you're talking about now uh what was the outcome was there a report given to to you was there a uh, something published as a result of that did you hear any word back saying hey this is this is our finding um yeah <clears throat> Jafet Jafet would probably have a better read on what happened but i my understanding was that certainly my impression was at the end there was no smoking gun it was generally, you know, I think people generally thought this is not a, an issue. But then I believe that this actually made it to the executive committee of the general conference as a an agenda item. Really? And, and I believe that the report there was not necessarily favorable, that, you know, we were a group to be warned and watched. And, hey, to this day, I mean, I can even tell you a month or two ago, um, I think Jafet was interacting with some place that we might interact and people said no we can't really have the one project in our conference or union because of the bad um you know kind of the bad mm. feeling but so i think um mm. and there was it, yeah so it, it just kind of you know it's kind of like you just kind of let you, you kind of just lay a, a negative pall on somebody or something and it just kind of carries and if you don't if you don't just clearly say no as a leader then you just mm -hmm. let that you let it simmer and i think that that i think that that odor just continued to simmer that somehow under investigation i mean think about in the news media for example well somebody's under investigation well immediately that means that 
well, we probably think they've done bad things. And so you just kind of throw that out there um, and it kind of yeah. lingers. Um, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever felt, I don't know that I feel this, but have you ever felt like the, the somewhat the mythology around the one project for lack of a better term, be it positive or negative is a little bit like, it's a little, it's a little like, okay. <laughs> a little much, a little much. You know, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've said before, Sam, you know, I've said this. I think I said this to you recently again, but man, for all the pushback we we got, we really should have actually done something <laughs> <laughs> like we got we got the punishment, never got to commit the crime. <laughs> um, and mm. and I, but that Tim, that goes to your what you're what you said, which is yeah. I do think. You know, I mean, we could have called for some pretty big structural reform right. in the church, some real issue that would have been, again, not bad, but it really would have pushed things. You know, I keep waiting for someone to come out, you know, some business school in our denomination where students will come up with a business reform plan for the whole, for the whole division, say, hmm. restructuring, you know cutting layers of bureaucracy, streamline, you know, COVID has just turned the corporate world upside down with streamlining, less travel, you know, reorienting everything, freeing up more resources for the front lines. You know, I, I'm waiting for some of those um, things to mm. come. Or honestly, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think this is, I think I'm okay with saying this. I think we need to complete, completely rework the fundamental belief structure um, the 28 fundamental beliefs, completely rework it, the whole thing. And that's not my innovative idea. I mean, Alden Thompson, for example, who's my neighbor and a, a esteemed theologian in the church has argued for this. There needs to be prioritization of those. You know, maybe some things need to go, some things need to be added, some things need to be merged. You, you know, so we never really put mm. forward anything that said, Here's our new view for how the theological articulation should look for the church. By the way, Tim, I think that would be a lot of fun to do. <laughs> because we it's, a, it's we should have a podcast on that. Because it's needed. That. Yeah, I mean, it's needed. You, you, I'll give you just give you one example. Then uh, uh, one example would be there's no doctrine of how we care for the poor, mm -hmm. and yet two thousand verses in Scripture dominates the gospels and yet we have a doctrine on one or two obscure verses in parts of the bible and there's a whole doctrine on that mm. oh that's good mm. but there are huge swaths you know i think about even the subject of prayer which is this huge channel of communication between the material world and the the metaphysical right mm -hmm. the the world beyond this huge issue in scripture and there's no doctrine dedicated to that mm. but yet we have a doctrine dedicated to the ministry of ellen white mm. Mm. <laughs> i'm just I, my, my point is just that i think there's room for some renovation of that and some structural revision of the church and that ought to be work that ought to be exciting work for a church that says we're a progressive movement with present truth we're right. all over that Right. No, that's what I was going to say. That's that's actually right up our alley. 
right? We're non-creedal. We we need to be taking a look at this. And it's it's interesting that, um, y- you know, I think the misnomer is that you know the the doctrine upholds the hierarchy, and so you mess with one, you mess with the other. And I don't think that's true. They they actually don't bleed into each other necessarily. The structure of the church is what it is. You know, it's it's a human organization that was like, how can we do this efficiently in 1903? Probably time to take a look at that. I mean, if if corporate America has had to change in the last six months due to COVID, probably 117 years since the last reorg. Like it, we maybe do, we maybe do. Um, yeah. But the doctrine, the do, that's a, a wholly different pursuit. And we've always had the foundation of present truth, man. Let's keep, let's keep knocking on these things. Let's find better language. Let's find better ways to do it. Um, and what does Ellen White say? She says we have nothing to fear from investigation of these doctrines. Um, so I think you're right. I think this we is, need to be there. This, this is why, just to, just a point of clarification, because we keep calling them fundamental beliefs or fundamental or uh, tw- the 28 fundamentals. They're actually, as I was taught by uh, my neighbor, Fritz Guy, uh, Alex, who participated in the writing of the original 27 when they were oh, written back in 19, whatever, early 80s. That's dropping some weight right there. I know, I know, I know. We're all that's name dropping such a, That's such a name His, drop. His correction is that they're not, these are statements of fundamental belief, uh, which are open to edits and reconsideration, um, redaction, whatever. Uh, But we have treated them, and I think people need to know, we've treated these 28 like they are, they were delivered on the holy mountain of Mount Sinai and chiseled in stone. That's That's not what these are. These are a group of people who are wrestling with the truth every day, interpreting, reinterpreting, and trying yeah. to put in put them in paper mm-hmm. the way we understood them in 1980, and then most lately in 19 was it 2010 when we added we inserted one uh, in in between them and expanded it. Um, that that's what they are. So I I'm with you. I think they need to be revisited, um, reconsidered, and it should be done on a regular basis, not just not just well even even just the the progression of language. I, I was yeah. playing ping. I was playing ping pong with my ten-year-old yesterday, and I I scored a great. Po- we trash talk, and I scored a great point. And I said, "Psych," I said, "Psych," and he said, "Dad, don't do that." He said, "That's that that, that is, word is that's that's not a, it, a current word we use." It does feel like don't. a misuse of an of an older word, too. Yeah, I feel like you missed yeah. it twice he was, there. Yeah. So he just he said, don't use that. And, and and the point, what's the point? The point is that language is changing and how we understand language is changing. And just on the basis of the dime, the dynamism of linguistic movement. We have to constantly be reworking our language. Right. Right. No, we we have to for sure. I think that I think that, um, man, I. This is what I love about the gospel, right? The gospel is both deconstructive and constructive at the same time. You are always having to rework the gospel and reinterpret what love is and reinterpret how you understand it. And, and you know, I often say, I often say that, um, you know, my theology is different than 10 years ago because I'm older, because I've grown. I've hopefully become more spiritually mature. I've read a few books, a few more books. And, um, and I think that, you know, the one constant for me in the last 10 years, at least, comes from comes from you know these incredibly insightful and thoughtful conversations that we have had through the one project and through friendship and you know 
but the, but the constant in the midst of that is the supremacy of Jesus, which has which is shockingly controversial. I think, for lack of a better term, there is a a controversial nature to Jesus, just like you said at the very beginning, the idea of implications. There's implications for for taking Jesus seriously and taking his words seriously. And I think 2020 has been a um, a culmination of that kind of worldwide of what the what the implications of following Jesus really are. And I don't know that I don't know that everyone for everyone that's the, their bellwether, you know, for people who call themselves followers of Christ or Christians, that that's their bellwether. And I think we have to get back to that. And Alex, I've always appreciated your unique and um, deep mm. focus on that. Hey, so as we move to close, um, I want to I want to tell you a little short thing, a little short story. Um, a couple of years ago, I heard the last three interviews that Desmond Ford, to make this little podcast even more controversial, um, <laughs> did um, before um, his death, uh, which happened, I think, was it this year? Was it this year? Maybe a year uh, and a half ago. 2020 has been really long. You're, you're right. <laughs> I don't know when it was. I um, think it was last year. Des Ford, uh, for our dear listeners, was a, a bit of a controversial figure in Adventism, but um, for a lot of reasons that we're not going to explore here today. But what's important is that, um, to me, is that he was not controversial in his view of grace and his view of um, Jesus. And um, he actually gave us a couple of shout outs in, in his last couple of interviews that he did. Uh, he talked about the one project and the good that he thought he was we were doing in the world. But what I really appreciate about those interviews, Alex, is that you could sense the the people interviewing him would say to him, "Hey, final message. What do you, what would you say if you had two or three minutes as a grand summary to somebody who just met you and wants to know summarize your life's work up to now? Uh, what would you say to them? What is it, what is your your last message? And ironically, it was his last messages to the world. I'm not saying that you're." Anything's going to happen to you. But if we were to ask you, by the way, both of those the two interviews that I'm talking about led to it was it's some of the sweetest, most beautiful, most Jesus uh, loving, um, just marinated in grace. It's just beautiful two or three minutes uh, from this forward. Um, beautiful, beautiful summaries of his life work. What would you say if we had to? summarize the one project which is what we've been talking about for the last two, last two episodes if you could say hey summarize the one project in two or three minutes or maybe just in a minute uh what would you say to somebody and by the way i'm saying this knowing that lots of our dear listeners are probably not going who, who didn't know about the one project are going to go and listen to the hundreds of sermons you talked about a minute ago yeah. that are that are all, all archived in our website <laughs> And get to know us. And maybe someone will read your uh, dissertation, including footnotes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I can say what I hope it'll be. You know, what I hope my life has been about. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's been the case, but I can. You know, when you're preaching, and you, you both know this, there's different looks or reactions you get from your congregate, your audience. So there's. Uh, a look of man i never thought about that before and that's kind of a fun look to see in people's eyes like oh you gave me something to think about i haven't seen it from that angle 
Then there's the the belly laugh or the uh, because you you utilize some humor, right? And it was like and you could just tell that there's therapy. Laughter is the best medicine and, and appropriately in church. It's just a beautiful thing. So you, you, someone laughs and you're like you feel good, right? Because you've helped them. So there's different experiences when you're preaching like that. For me, the, the best look that I hope my life has been about in the one project is when you look into to their eyes, you look into someone's eyes when you're speaking and you can tell that they really feel like God loves them and they feel like maybe just maybe they can love God. Hmm. It's that spark in the eye and you guys know what I'm talking. And it's like, they're not looking at you. They're not, but there's something that happens when they feel the most important thing, which is the connection, a connection to the divine that they, they feel their human heart somehow connected to the heart of Jesus. And you guys know what I'm, that moment when that, when that sparks and you can see it, you can just feel it in the room. That's the, those are the greatest moments of the one project for me. They're the greatest moments of my ministry. They're the greatest moments of life. When you've done the background work, the background prayer, when you've, You've stepped up to the pulpit and done all that, but then that magic happens. And you know it's beyond you. You know that you're nothing but conduit. But somehow, somehow there's a transfusion of blood that comes from the Father and it's entering the veins of those people. Man, I go home after those sermons and those moments and I'm like, this is worth it. Mm -hmm. And that moment alone is what I hope not only for the past, but that's what I hope in the future. And that goes to every devotional, every sermon, every facilitated conversation. That's everything. Oh, that's so good. That's so good, Alex. Thank you for sharing your heart and thank you for uh, sharing your experience through the One Project. Um, we, uh, it's always been a pleasure, pleasure knowing you and hanging out. We appreciate you and I know our dear listeners do as well let's uh we'll wrap it up for today this is the second podcast this is chapter six that we're on right now by the way on uh the one project the season of one project as sam called it so thank you guys for listening thanks for being here alex this is tim and sam sam and tim have a great week everyone theme music is produced by Michael Lenore, and our content manager is Teresa Rojas. Tim is the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church in Redlands, California, and Sam oversees spiritual care for Adventist Health. Thank you for joining them for today's conversation. For more information on what they have going on or to support their ministry financially, visit www.samandtim.com. That is S-A-M, the letter N-T-I-M.com. 